John chapter 1, and then we're going to look at the first 14 verses. So let me read that, and uh, then we'll pray, and uh, then we'll get going, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, thank you for uh, Jesus. Uh, God, I pray that you would enable us to look at him this morning, um, to gaze upon his glory, to um, be satisfied in his likeness. Father, that we might receive uh, Jesus as all that John just described him. Father, I pray that you would stir belief in us, you would stir faith in us, Father, help us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that the Gospel of John does really well is to present Jesus to us, to really force us to think deeply about the person of Jesus Christ. Um, We have a desperate need to know Jesus. Um, one of the maybe frustrating things about the Gospel of John is that when a lot of people are looking for things to read in the Bible, and I'll, I'll admit even, even myself when I'm looking at things to preach, um, we, we are drawn toward those, those chapters and those passages that talk about us. Uh, I, I'm just, I'll, I'll just be honest. I, I think we're drawn to those. Um, they're, 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 they're practical, they're helpful. Like, like we, I think we're drawn to passages like Romans 12. Romans 12 has a section in it that just gives this, this rapid fire machine gun, you know, exhortation for life. Like, you know, um, be zealous, um, seek peace, don't seek your own revenge, uh, show hospitality, just boom, 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 boom. And all of it is deeply practical to me. Like, okay, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna do these things, right? And so we're, we're drawn to those, okay? Um, John is a lot of times difficult for us because it, it doesn't want to talk about us. It just wants to talk about Jesus. Um, the gospel of John is just this laser focus. I, these four, first 14 verses, you find almost every major Christo, Christological doctrine in the Bible in these 14 verses. 
All right. In other words, there are volumes and volumes of books written attempting to explain what John really, actually, what John lays out in four verses. All right. And, and actually, the big hitters are laid out in two. Uh, so John has this incredible economy of words in which he focuses our attention on the person of Jesus Christ. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm understanding as I get older is that what I really need, whether I, I, I know this or not, what I really need is to look at and know and think about and explore Jesus Christ. When, when I first became a Christian, I, I, I couldn't have articulated any of this, but, I, but if I could have, looking back on it, what I, what I would have I've told you is, what I really need is to know what to do. <laughs> like, you know, like I've been living this wrong way for a long time, and so now I really need, to, I, I need verses that tell me, hey, don't make dumb jokes about your girlfriend, you know? Like, like don't do that. Stop doing that, idiot. Yeah, like that, that's what I really felt that I needed was just, these exhortations of tell me what to do, okay? The more I live the Christian life and the more that I understand I believe the Bible, the more I understand that what I really need to do is know who Jesus is. I need to know that. And here's the funny thing. I really felt like when I was 18 years old in May of 1990, I really felt like I did know who he was. And I did from the standpoint that my eyes have been opened to see the glory of Christ and I've become to put my faith in him. But what I now understand is that I am forever understanding and seeing the glory of Jesus Christ. Psalm 119, 37 is a verse that I like to quote to my kids. And it says, turn our eyes from looking at worthless things things and give me life in your, in your ways. And, and I really think the best application of that is, man, Jason, start looking at Jesus, okay? The, it, turn your eyes from the bad things and look at Jesus. But, but like even a better application would be, turn your eyes away from the good things and look at Jesus. Look at the best thing, okay? Look at Jesus. Hold your gaze upon Jesus. Um, I think doing this, looking at Jesus, receiving and believing who he is, I think that fixes a bunch of the brokenness in us. And John does that really well. Um, in contrast to the other gospels, uh, this might be interesting to you. So Matthew's gospel opens with a genealogy. Um, so all, all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what are they doing? They're, they're, they're revealing to us Jesus, okay? Um, but Matthew opens with a genealogy. Matthew's primary first concern is connecting Jesus to the promises of Abraham and David. Okay, so he's writing to a Jewish audience and, and, and they're looking for the Messiah. And so Matthew right away is like, hey guys, this is him, okay? Remember back in, in Genesis when God told Abraham, hey, I'm gonna do that. Okay, this is him, this is him. And remember when he told David, there's gonna be one of your sons who's gonna sit on your throne and reign forever and ever. Here he is, okay? When you open up Mark's gospel, Mark is in a hurry, Okay, uh, I identify with Mark. Man, he's in a hurry. If you've ever read the Gospel of Mark, in the first chapter, I think, I think it's like 11 times he says the word immediately, you know? And I mean, it's like Jesus is on a race. He's on a race to the cross, all right? And so John actually skips the genealogy part. He, he skips actually the birth narrative. I mean, I'm sorry, Mark. Mark skips the genealogy. He skips the birth narrative and he jumps right into John the Baptist crying, you know, voice of one preparing the way. Jesus baptized and there he goes, right? 
Now, the Gospel of Luke, Luke is, is, is concerned about all the details of the incarnation, right? So he, he starts with the backstory of Zechariah and Elizabeth um, giving birth miraculously to John the Baptist and how that coincides with Mary's virgin birth. And in Luke, you find uh, all the details of what we now have come to call the Christmas story, okay? But John, in contrast to all three of those, John begins in eternity past. You know, it's like Matthew goes back to Abraham and Luke goes to Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mark, he's just in a hurry. He starts right off, right off of the baptism. But, but John says, hold on. You want to talk about Jesus? Let's not talk about Bethlehem. Let's not, we'll get there, but we're, let's not talk about that. Let, let's go back. Let's go back to before there was anything. And let's, let me introduce you to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, all right? So John begins in eternity past, and he begins in this way. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. Now, now again, what, when you're in the beginning, what, what ought you to think, all right? You ought to think Genesis 1, 1. You ought to think of the very first verse in the Bible where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, John is hearkening back to that, and, and he says, in the beginning, was the Word. All right, now, now why the Word? He's talking about Jesus, by the way, if, if, you, if you didn't pick that up. Okay, Jesus is the Word. Why would, why would John describe Jesus as the Word? Well, when you think about Word, when you think about logos, okay, uh, Word is, is the expression of thoughts inside of you to the people around you. All right, so whenever you speak, you are telling everybody around you what's inside of you, okay? Here, here in a little bit, sure enough, you're going to get in the car and somebody in your family is going to express what's going on inside of them, right? They're going to say something like, I'm hungry, where are we eating, okay? What, what do they do? They use their words to describe what was happening inside of their, themselves, inside their heart, okay? Words are the ways that we communicate what is inside of us. Jesus is the word. He is the communication of God. He is his words, his miracles, his deeds, his life. Everything about Jesus, every detail about him is a display. It is a communication of the eternal God of the universe. Okay, Jesus is God communicating who he is to you. Right, which is why he is paramountly the most important figure in all the universe. It's because he is the communication of God about everything, everything that matters. He's the communication of the eternal God of the universe. According to Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, listen to this. It says, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke. Okay, so God spoke to our fathers. So he's talking about the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He, he spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so Jesus is, in a sense, the final message of God to us, to the world. Okay, God, God spoke through the prophets, he, spoke, he speaks through nature, he spoke through, through the Bible, through his word, but Jesus is the final message of God to the world. 
F.F. Bruce adds, and I, and I agree with him, that within this concept of the word is, is action, okay? So, so it's almost like God's communication in action. All right, now, now I, I think the reason I agree with F.F. Bruce is because whenever God speaks, something happens. Uh, his word, the, the Old Testament tells us, it never returns void. In other words, sometimes when you speak, nothing happens, right? If you, if you, have, if you have kids, you've experienced this a bunch, right? Like you say, hey, pick up your shoes, and nothing happens, you know? Uh, it, it Nothing happens. Your word does not carry the voice of God, okay? But when God speaks, okay, so something happens, all right? And, and, and so I, I agree with, with Bruce in the, in the, in the instance that 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 Jesus is the action of God, okay? God is speaking to us through his son, Jesus Christ, but, but he, is, he is speaking in a way that, that Jesus gets things done, right? Jesus accomplishes the redemption, the salvation, the justification of God. Jesus is God in visible action. John 14 um, says a, a very interesting thing. Uh, Jesus says about himself, he says in John 14, 9, Jesus said to Philip, he says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Philip had asked, you know, hey, show, show me God. And Jesus is like, you're looking at him, okay? Every, everything that Jesus does and says is God in action. Revelation 19, 13 says, He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. All right, and so in these first four verses, John is describing for us in amazingly few words, okay? This is what John does really well, is he takes these huge, complicated, beyond our comprehension um, uh, realities, and he just condenses them into these very few words, all right? And, and John is going to to describe for us the nature of Jesus Christ, all right? So let, let's, let's hit some highlights here, okay? So, so first of all, what we learn is that Jesus is eternal, okay? Look at John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, okay? So point number one here is that Jesus is eternal. Jesus was in the beginning, okay? So again, John is pointing back to Genesis 1-1, and he's going back to the creation of the earth, and the world, and man, and angels, and before atomic particles, and gases, and before anything existed, earth, wind, stone, fire, planets, sun, stars, galaxies, before any of that, what did you find with God in the beginning? You found Jesus, all right? Jesus was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. In, in John 17, uh, verse 5, Jesus is praying to the Father. And, and I love what, what he says here in, in John 17, 5. He says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus is talking to his Father, and he's talking about the glory that they shared. Okay, we're going to get into this some more. But the magnificence, the, the splendor, the joy, the adventure, that, that's glory, right? The radiance of power and majesty and love. Jesus says, he's remembering back and he's saying, Father, we shared that before anything existed. All right, so Jesus 
is eternal. He is the eternal God. Jesus is the great I am. If you remember, we're going to get to this in John 8 when, when Jesus is talking with the Pharisees and they're saying, well, you know, how do you know these things? You're not even 30 years old. And, and Jesus says, hey, before, you know, before your father Abraham was, I am. And they knew exactly what he was saying. He's saying, I am the self-existing, dependent on no one, source of life, the source of, of his own eternal existence. Jesus is, is in the beginning. He does not gain life from anything or anyone else. He does not need to plug in. He does not need to charge up. He does not run down. He does not fade out. He does not grow frail or weak. He is Psalm 90 verse 2 says, from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. All right, so Jesus is eternal. In the beginning was the word, okay? Point number two is that Jesus is fully God. All right, so let's go back to our text, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, in the beginning was Jesus, and the word and Jesus was with God, and the word was God, all right? Please do not let the Mormons or the Jehovah Witnesses who knock on your door say, oh, no, 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 John got it wrong. He missed out a word here. And what they're gonna do is they're gonna take a little word and they're gonna put it in there. And they're gonna say, no, the word was, Jesus was a God, a God. I'm telling you, there is a world of difference between he is God and he is a God in the sense of many gods. And he's a created God. He wasn't the first one, but then, you know, God created him and now he's a God. And, and if you follow Mormon theology and you can be one too, you know, all you got to do is $19.99 a month and you know, all, whatever the installment plans and, and however all that works, but you can work your way up to be just like Joseph Smith and becoming a No, that is heresy. Jesus Christ was in the beginning and he is God. Okay, now, now to make this even more clear, John, thank you, John, for doing this. John, John points out, so, so just so we don't think that he's saying, oh, no, 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 you know, God was in the beginning, and then he made Jesus, and then, hey, Jesus helped out with the rest of it, you know. He was learning, and so he, he helped out. No, 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 verse 3, all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is not a created being. He was in the beginning with God, and he is fully God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, echoes the same truth. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. And then, I mean, I can still remember sitting in Dr. Bayer's Hebrew class. Why were we looking at Colossians 1.16 in Hebrew? I do not know because it's, it's written in Greek. But I, I, that's where it hit me. It, it hit me. All things were created through him. I knew that. But notice this next part. And for him. It's all for Jesus. It's all for the glory of Jesus. Again, you've got a problem here if you say Jesus is a God. What do you mean that everything is for his glory and not for God the Father's glory? No, Jesus is fully God in the next point we're gonna look at and he's also Trinity. He is one with the Father. Okay, so Jesus is the creative force behind the existence of the universe. And so as creator, he owns it all. He's above it all in power. He is the standard of truth, morality, holiness. His design is, is what life is intended for. He, he is creator. He gets to define everything. We are in a moment of history in which a bunch of things are being redefined and they're being redefined apart from Jesus Christ. 
And that's a disaster, honestly. Like what, what we see happening in our culture today is, is that somehow in the last 30 years we feel that we've hit some kind of enlightenment, you know? We've just, this boom of intelligence and, 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 and wowness, and, and so all of a sudden we are redefining things like marriage and gender and personhood and, 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 and uh, all these really important things that are defined by Jesus Christ. We're defining love. We're defining righteousness. We're defining virtue, redefining all those things. Listen, God gets to define those. He is the author. Jesus Christ is the creator. Okay, and, and so it's his. Like, like, it is his. You don't get to tell the creator what they intended. Right? If you build a birdhouse and you bring it to your family and they're like, no, 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 dad, that's not a birdhouse. That's a machine gun. I built it, okay? I'm telling you what it is. If you write a book, you you don't get that. Other people don't come to you and say, well, no, that that book's not about, you know, flowers. That book's about auto mechanics, you know? Well, I wrote it. Okay, Jesus Christ owns the world. I, I, it's such a simple thing, but our world completely has missed this. Um, and, and it comes back to this, this break in theology. When, when you take Jesus out of the equation, then all of a sudden you're like, well, hey, we can just redefine this whole thing based on what, hey, here's, here's essentially what the world is doing. They're saying, we are God. I am God, and so I'm going to redefine everything. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. God is the source. He's the author of marriage and parenting and sex and commerce and work and relationships and joy and satisfaction. He's the source of life. We'll look at that in just a second. Number three, quickly, He is Trinity, okay? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was with God, okay? With God in the sense of fellowship, harmony, uh, union, right? the, the, the Godhead is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit existing in eternal uh, happiness, eternal harmony together, right? And so again, big things, right? What have we talked about? God is eternal, or Jesus is eternal. Jesus is, is, is God, uh, fully God, and Jesus is Trinity, okay? John sums that up actually in one verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, okay? Now let's, let's keep going here. Um, look, look at verse three and four. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I really believe that if we can believe if we can pull off believing, verse three and four, it will radically change your life. Uh, again, I, I, I'm going back to what I said at the beginning. You know, a lot of times we want the Bible, we want those passages that just tell us what to do. You know, hey, have people over. Hey, share the gospel. Okay, that, that's all great. Okay, but here's what I'm telling you. If you will embrace what verse three and four say, if you'll believe that, if you'll receive that, We'll talk about receiving and believing here in just a second. But if you will receive and believe that, it will radically transform everything about your life, okay? In Jesus is life. 
Notice that. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Think about this. Jesus is life. He is light. He, he is he. Think about, the, okay, if, you, if you've ever read the Gospel of John, maybe you haven't, and so we're, we're going to get there, okay? But if you have, I bet you'll notice some things, right? So this verse says he's life, okay? It says he's light, all right? If you go to John 4, what is he? In John 4, he's, he's the, the fountain of living waters, right? He is living water. Remember that with the Samaritan woman? In John 6, when he feeds the 5,000, he's the bread of life. Okay, in, uh, in, what is it, John 8, I believe, he's the light of the world. In John 11, he's the resurrection of life. Okay, what, 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 what's John doing here? Okay, he's life, he's light, he's water, he's bread, he's breath. John 3, he's breath. What, what makes you alive right now physically? Light, and life, and water, and bread, and breath, right? See, John is saying, Jesus is life. You want to live. It's through Jesus. Life is in Jesus. All of life flows from Jesus. Remember, he's eternal. He existed in perfect harmony with the Godhead, the Trinity from eternity past. So in your minds, I want you to do something, all right? In your minds, I want you to go back, okay? So, so go back, just in time, ready? In your imagination, go back. Go back before there was the United States. Now go back before there was an Israel. Now go back before there was an Abraham. Go back before the flood. Go back before creation. All right? So, so we're, we're back before there were any men. We're back before there were any animals. We're back before there was any light. Okay? So in, in the beginning, you know, God created light, right? The sun, the sun, you know, all the, the, the star. Okay, back before that, all right? So before there were angels, before there were demons, before anything that was made was made. Okay, what was there? We already talked about it. Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity was there. Now, how do you picture that time? I'm just interested. It's kind of a funny question, isn't it? So in your mind, I know we're just imagining, but back before anything was made that was made, there was just Jesus. Okay, now how do you picture that? Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid you picture it as kind of this dark, unsettling, dismal, scary, boring place. No. No. That is completely wrong. Why? Because God is there. Okay? Everything you love flows from God. He's the... Are you following me? Or are you just like, what is he doing? I know I'm philosophizing here a little bit. Do do you get what I'm saying, though? Everything you love flows from Him. What what, what, what did it say? In Him was life. You're like, I I, I love beautiful sunsets. I, I love beauty. I love art. I love music. I love literature. I love stories. I love family. I love grandkids. I love affection. I love, you're like, I love all those things, pastor. And, and you said, you know, before there was anything created, you know, what was there? There was Jesus. Okay. It's all there in the Trinity. All of it. Because he's the source. He's the source of life. Okay. So, so for eternity past, you have this gloriously full Trinity. And then Genesis 1-1, you have this explosion of God putting it all into action. Okay, now, okay, hold that thought. All right, so let's compare. Compare and contrast, okay? 
Let, let's say you're an atheist here this morning. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here who's an atheist. You don't believe in a God. Uh, you're just here because you're, you're humoring somebody or you're, you know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, let, let's compare. Okay, so from an atheistic perspective, in the beginning was what? Well, there's different theories about that, but they all kind of boil down to you got to have this. There was some matter, right? There were some molecules. There were some gases, now, now, the really interesting question that absolutely no one can answer is how did those get there, okay? But, but let, let's, just, let's just ignore that. Let's just ignore that. That's what they do. So let's just ignore that. How did they get there? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay, all right. So they're there. So what do you, what do you have? You've got molecules. You've got atoms. You've got gases flying around, okay? And then according to most of those theories, they crash into each other, okay? And boom, a more complicated set of matter appears, okay? And then that more complicated matter crashes into some other things and there's a bang and there's a boom and there's a whirling and a wishing and a, and a whatever, you know, a combination of things. And all of a sudden, that, that, that stuff creates this impersonal energy that creates life, conscious life, okay? And then maybe even more spectacular, that conscious life kind of runs into some other things and, and develops and grows and all of a sudden what you have coming out of that is love and relationships and family and justice and mercy and beauty and art and music and celebration and joy and literature and story. And, and so if you're an atheist, what you have to reckon with is all of that comes from molecules, atoms or whatever gases like that's what that's god that's the source that's the that's the spring from which it all flows okay and so so i would just challenge you to be intellectually honest with yourself okay and as 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 you're in the great moments of your life as as your wife gives birth and and this beautiful new life comes out of her and the doctor lays that beautiful baby on her chest and and you have this overwhelming sense of love and attachment and you're overwhelmed at the beauty of that little face and and you're so proud of your wife and amazed at at this gift of life And, and then you have to be intellectually honest and say the source of that or the source of all the this family that i now embrace was molecules running into each other. That is God. All of this came from that. Okay? Or, let me give you what I think is a better alternative. Okay? This is what the Christian believes. God is the source. So in the beginning, rather than some floating around molecules that we can't explain how they got there, instead you have an eternal God in whom has always existed justice and mercy and, and work and accomplishment and, and beauty and music and love and friendship and art and celebration and joy and story. And, and all of that was in the heart of the triune God who in Genesis 1-1 said, let there be, and he creates, the, he creates matter, he creates the world, 
And then he creates image bearers, us, who he will reveal himself to, and we will join his story that ends in his glorious kingly reign forever and ever. And I'm telling you, if you have a little faith, you'll believe that one. If you've got this incredible, monumental, unexplainable faith, you'll believe the other one, okay? Like, I, 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 you know, people criticize, atheists tend to criticize Christians for just believing in faith. I'm, I'm telling you, dude, it takes a lot more faith to believe the other. To blindly accept that all that we see, all that is beautiful and good in the world, the God of that is molecules crashing together. Jesus is life. He's life. Now, now I, I, this, is, this is a sermon of rabbit trails. I'm sorry. That's why hell is so terrifying. That's why hell is so horrible. Okay, so if, if all, all that is good, all that you love, all, all that is life is in God, and you spend your life saying very clearly, I am not interested in you, God. I don't want you. I don't believe you. I don't listen to you. I don't trust you. You're boring to me. I, I want this other stuff, but I don't want you. You are definitively saying, I don't want life. Please put me somewhere where there is not Jesus. Well, that's hell. People say, well, why, why is hell, so, why'd God make hell so horrible? It, it, it's the place where he's not. Do you understand that? He is the, it is the place where he is not. And if he is the source and spring of all of life, well, the, the place where he's not is it's the place of death. It's the place of misery and unimaginable. Why does Jesus describe it as a lake of fire? Why does he describe it as conscious torment that goes on forever? Well, it's the place where he's not. There is no life there. There's nothing good there. People are like, all my friends are going to be there. No. Friendship will not exist in hell. Friendship is from God. Folks, we all want life. We're all looking to all sorts of things to give us life. And none of it could do it. Start thinking in terms of, of this. Okay, maybe, maybe this will help you. If Jesus is life, then every move toward Jesus is a move toward life. Correct? Why should you read your Bible? Because you want to know life. You want to know Jesus. Jesus is life. Why should you pray? Because God is the source of life. You want, you want more of him. Why, why should you worship? Because you, you love him. He's the source of all that is good. He's glorious. Look at verse four. We gotta, we gotta hustle. Verse four. Um, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, now, so, so John has this continual thing of, a theme of life, that, light, I'm sorry, light, that we're gonna get into more and more. But, but basically, in, in the Gospel of John, light is this, it is the expression of the life of Jesus, right? So he's, he's shining, okay? So, so truth and life and beauty, it's shining into the world, all right? 
So, so Jesus is like this, this light streaming into the darkness. Okay, so verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, and then depending on what your Bible, how your Bible translates it, either overcomes it or comp- does not comprehend it. Okay, both are true, actually. Okay, so, so the darkness doesn't comprehend the light, right? That's, that's the problem. 2 Corinthians 4, we'll look at that in a minute. That's the problem with lost people is they don't see the glory of Jesus. And also, the, the darkness does not overcome the light. Actually, I think John may have meant both. That you can, you can, it works in English to mean both, so I think it, it, it may have worked for him as well to mean both of those. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. So here, here's the definitive passage on this. We come back here a bunch. You ought to have this memorized. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, okay, the, the case of, of loss, the loss, those who are unbelieving, in their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing, and to notice his language, he gets, I think this is from John, seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay, let's just keep reading. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts. Here's what happens to a believer. God shines in our hearts uh, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so the, the light of God is, is Jesus. It, it is Jesus' character. It is Jesus' works. It is Jesus' deeds. It is Jesus' words, okay? And, and that light penetrates, shines into the darkness, okay? But for some, they're awakened. For some, they're made alive. For some, they're born again, but not for everyone. Look at, look at verse 10 and 11. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The world did not believe the author of life, the creator, the perfect communication of glory. The world would not receive Jesus as life. Man, have you ever gone to the ocean with someone who didn't believe in water? It's a depressing thing. Um, man, it's, it's horrible, you know, to go to the ocean with someone who doesn't believe in water. I mean, there, you go and there's no swimming, there's no snorkeling, there's no deep sea fishing, there's no sunset sailboat rides, there's no shell collecting. You go and all there is is hot sand. What'd you do in spring break? We sat in the hot sand. Okay, that, that's what happens. That, that's, that's, a, that's an illustration, maybe a dumb one, I don't know. But that's an illustration of rejecting the light of Jesus. You're rejecting life. Jesus came to his own, and he was rejected. Man, this is the worst of insults, by the way. You know, for, for Mark Zuckerberg to be kicked out of the lobby of Facebook, or Jim Bezos to be banned from Amazon headquarters, or President Biden to be taken down by the Secret Service as he approaches the White House, tased, you know, thrown into a, a, a police car for, for Carol to not let Pastor Gary in his own home when he knocks on the door, call the police on him. Jesus comes to his own and his own do not receive him. Okay, but let, let's real quickly in the time we have left, let's look at 12, 11 and 12. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him, but, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 
Okay, you have two key words here that I, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about because they're gonna, we're going to see them over and over again. Receive and believe, okay? The word receive means to grab onto, accept, to take, um, to uh, acquire. Um, it, it's interesting. Here, here's a place it's used. So do you remember when the angel appears to Joseph? Joseph thinks that Mary's been unfaithful to him because she's pregnant, and he knows they haven't had a sexual relationship, and so he's going to put her away quietly. And the angel says, don't be afraid to take, same word, don't be afraid to receive Mary as your wife. Uh, in fact, this word mostly has a relational, it's a relational receiving. A lot of times it was used for hospitality. So you, you would receive somebody into your home. In other words, you would welcome them. But more often than not, it's like you would receive them as your wife. You'd receive them as your husband. Okay, so it's, it's, a, it's a welcoming them in. It's a taking hold of a relationship of a covenant. Okay, and so to receive Jesus For many, many years, we've kind of gotten away from this wisely, I think. Um, but but it, it's, not, it's not a bad thing. It just can be a confusing thing. What does it mean to receive Jesus into your heart? I, I wonder how many of you as kids, that, that was the way that you expressed the gospel, was to receive Jesus into your heart. And um, it's not a wrong way to say it. I, I, just th- I think what we've tried to do at Lincoln, especially with kids, is add some dimension to that so that c- c- that can be kind of confusing. So first of all, it does not mean you just get his gifts. So like when, a lot of times when we think of, well, did, did grandma come? Did you receive gifts? Yes, I did. What does that mean? Grandma unloaded them, you unwrapped them, went off and played, okay? Um, that, that is, that's, I think that's what a lot of people think of when they think of becoming Christian. Like I, I received, yeah, I received his forgiveness. I received his salvation. I received, in other words, I received his gift. Okay, but, but actually John is very specific. Have you received him for all who did receive him? Okay, now receiving him is receiving Jesus for who he is. Who is he? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made what was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, right? Like that, that John is telling us who he is. And, and so mistake number two that people make with this word is, yes, I'm going to receive Jesus in the way that I make him. So I, I want him as forgiver of all the bad stuff I've done. I want him as a uh, uh, guy who's going to accept me for who I am and uh, let me live in my sin, let me chase my idols. But in the end, I won't go to hell, I'll go to heaven. I don't know who you're receiving because I don't know who that guy is. Would love to meet him sometime. Please introduce me. But I, I have no idea who you're talking about. That's not Jesus. Okay, so receiving him is receiving the person of Jesus Christ as is revealed to you by the light of Christ in the word of God. Receive him for who he is. If I'm gonna charter a plane to Taiwan, to go see my daughter because I can't get in there on an international flight, but I'm gonna charter a plane and I need a pilot and so I, I call around, make some calls, I get one to come and I'm like, yep, we'll, we'll take you, we'll take you, we'll receive you. And he comes and he gets up the stairs of the plane. We're all in there, got our bags packed. And he goes to go in the cockpit. And I grab his arm and say, no, 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 I, I want you in the back. Uh, we've got peanuts and Diet Coke back there. You'll be serving that to us throughout the plane, okay, throughout the, throughout the duration of the flight. Okay, I did not receive the pilot, right? 
I did not receive him for who he is. In the same way, a lot of people think they're receiving Jesus, but they're just receiving somebody they've made up in their head. Or they're receiving Jesus to be something they want him to be. But to receive him is to receive him as in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Second thing, verse 12, to believe on his name. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk a lot about belief in, in the gospel of John here, but for now, let, let's just focus on believe in his name. His name is all the Bible says he is. And to believe on him is not just to intellectually affirm that he is those things, but it, it is to cherish, savor, be satisfied with. I mean, that, that, that's, that's in the word believe. I really believe it is. It, it, is, it is, is to grab on to Jesus as life. If you write me a check, for $10 million after the service. Try it. See what happens. And I grab it. You'll know whether I believe it. Right? If I'm like, ha very funny. I know you. You ain't got 100 bucks in your account. But if I am stunned, overwhelmed, if I faint, down to the floor, can't talk, I, I give this huge hug, I start crying, I got Emma on the phone. You know I believed, right? You know I believed. Why? Because I'm in, and it, I am cherishing, satisfied with, loving, okay? For those who have believed upon Jesus, So some reject him, some receive and believe. And then of those who receive and believe, real quickly, we ought to give witness. Go back up. I skipped John the Baptist. We'll, we'll get into him more later. But verse 6, there was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. This is one of the themes that you're going to find in the Gospels is you, you are to be a Pointer to, a witness to the light. Guys, this, this is our mission. We bear witness to the light. We bear witness to the one who is life. The one who brings life. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That's us. Let's pray. Father, we ask God that you would reveal to us just the glory of Jesus. Father, I pray that as we are pursuing you, God, that in our hearts we'd be convinced we're pursuing life. We're pursuing satisfaction. We're pursuing our own joy. We're pursuing love and, and adventure and glory and all that is good by, by pursuing you. Because, God, you are all those things. Father, enable us to bear witness to the light. Father, today, I pray that we might be able to point our children uh, to Jesus. We might be able to point our neighbors to Jesus. That We might be able to, to show them the light. 
Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.